This is episode number 28 of the Bearded Marketers Podcast, the only internet marketing podcast that matters. I'm Rob. And I'm Corey. You can catch new episodes every Monday morning at thebeardedmarketers.com slash podcast. And of course, you can find us on iTunes and all the other podcast-related directories. Take a second to find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever else is out there. I'm sure we're on it. We've got a good lineup of things to talk about tonight. As always. Absolutely. I think we're both doing scotch tonight. I'm doing Johnny Walker. How about you? Which well, I'm doing flavor black, slash black year? Black label, forgetting in the specifics. <laughs> okay, so that's the 12-year black. Oh, yes. I'm doing Glenfiddich 12. Ooh. So 12 as well. Both I on the do same like year. Glenfiddich. We hope to upgrade soon to the 15th. If uh, 18s, some of you would write reviews 21s. in iTunes, we probably could upgrade. So <laughs> this is on you. <laughs> Anyways, let's go ahead and get started. But before we do, if you have any suggested topics for us to cover in the next episode, give us a call 904-270-9603. We pay Rob 24-7 service to sit by the phone and wait for your phone call. So be assured they will be answered and with a chipper attitude. So I love the 3 a.m. ones. Those are my favorite. <laughs> so the topics for this week, we're going to be talking about Google going secure. And what does that mean for us? Trust in advertising. What do you need to keep in mind when you're buying placements? And what do people trust inherently and which ones people are skeptical about? Mobile usage and features. What do you need to keep in mind when people are coming onto your mobile site? In particular, we're going to be talking about phone integration. And the last one that we will talk about, and to keep with our trend, we're going to talk about a certain large business listing site review policy change and how it is affecting businesses. So you'll have to stick around to the end to hear what we have to say about that. So kicking things off, Google going secure. So big news out of Google this week. Usually it's of the scary nature, and this did not break the trend. Google announces starting this month, they are going to, for the most part, securing all keyword searches, regardless if you're signed in or not. So if you haven't noticed over the past two years, slowly Google started moving some of its users over to its secure site when they go onto Google and perform a keyword search. What does that mean? That means when you arrive on a website, there is no keyword information passed to them in their analytic systems. So us as marketers and website owners... We don't really get an idea of why those people came to our website. All we know is they came from Google, but we don't know what they typed in to get to us and really what their intentions are. Right. So for all those people using Google Analytics, you'll see not provided as Correct. your keyword that comes through. And you'll probably so see frustrating. more and more of your visitors coming through with that not provided. In right. The and so over the last two years, that's become more and more of a population with the new version of the Apple iOS. I know that by default, they were sending people to the secure Google page, even if they weren't signed in or not. Mozilla has already moved over, but now Google has said we're moving everyone over. Now, this has stirred the conspiracy theory pot, we could say. A lot of people think that they're doing this in response to the NSA. Some people say Google's doing this to make more money. I really don't think either of those is the case. For sure, the NSA, because if you've really paid attention to that situation, you'll know that the NSA actually had tie-ins to the back end so it didn't really matter right. about the encryption uh but that's neither here nor there only making money front i really don't think that that's the case either i mean google has such a monopoly that if they wanted to make more money they could just charge you more i mean that's just right the fact of the matter probably more likely the case as we were discussing earlier on is you know i think that there is going to become 
Going back to the NSA topic, though, I think that has gotten people a little bit more aware of privacy to a certain extent. And I think that Google is trying to potentially stay ahead of that curve as much as possible, providing a service to what they feel like in the privacy sector of hiding some people's information. So I think a lot of people would be surprised at the level of some of the services that are out there, like CRMs, email platforms user behavioral type personalization services out there and how much they actually track. I think that Google might be hedging its bets on if we start securing this information, yes, it's going to frustrate some of our users, but when uh, that shitstorm potentially comes down, we can at least say, well, we're doing our part to make sure that you have some anonymity online, hedging their bets that way. Yeah, I think I'm right there with you in terms of I don't, I'm not wearing my tinfoil hat every time Google tries to Today, do something. Anyways. I don't think, well, it messes with my hair, dude. So I don't subscribe to the same beliefs as, you know, unfortunately, as like the Rand Fishkins and the Danny Sullivans right now who are sort of subscribing to this. It's a cash grab for Google. Mm-hmm. I can't really connect the dots on that sort of whole understanding and I think you're right. I think it's about preparing themselves for privacy actions by organizations who are realizing that the power of a lot of these, like you said, the CRMs, to track people's every move in terms of they know what keywords you came in on. They know which landing pages you've looked at. They know how long you've watched their videos. You know, anyone familiar with B2B marketing platforms know full well the power of some of these and how much they can pry into people's lives. And because of the fact that they're connecting people's contact information, because you're downloading an ebook or whatever it is you're doing, they're able to back it up to an IP address too, and really get a full picture of what you're doing on their websites and what you're searching for on Google that got them there. Right. And I think that we have a tendency to look at things in our USA fishbowl, whereas Europe, I don't know necessarily about Asia, but Europe for sure has been a lot more privacy conscious for a very long time and it's become a real issue and the eu constantly talks about there's actually monetary policies and laws that go into effect there that that influence microsoft yahoo and google's actual business decisions over there so kind of preparing for the u.s maybe to catch up to europe maybe again they're trying to kind of get ahead of the curve but like you were saying we hopped on the podcast google has also increased some of their services in other areas not to leave you totally in the dark if you haven't been paying attention google has made some really good strides lately in augmenting the services that they provide in their webmaster tools so yes they've taken away a lot of the keyword information from google analytics or or what they're going to communicate to you directly from exact users but you're still able to access that keyword information and for actually a lot longer now and webmaster tools so while they are taking some tools out of the uh, chest so to say for some of the marketers they are trying to meet us halfway but i think a lot of that is due to still providing us the information but giving those visitors the anonymity that they feel like they they might deserve so keep that in mind if you're staring at your google analytics or your omniture lately And you've noticed that your keyword information has disappeared before you start firing everyone in your IT department. Just be aware that Google has changed its policies and this is the new reality that we need to be aware of. So Google going secure really does have a lot of implications for us marketers. But I think that's just going to mean that we're going to have to get smarter. And it's really going to separate the, the wannabes from the real gems out there. So it's time to really get to work. All right, so let's move on. Trust in advertising. Rob has us 
an interesting study from Nielsen. Customers' perception of dress, I guess, is what we could phrase it in, and the different media Sure, styles. absolutely. Just to back it up, I mean, all of my topics are always very interesting. Because <laughs> uh, you're the most interesting man in the world. <laughs> exactly. This one in particular. Okay, so this is a study done by Nielsen. They actually originally did this study back in 2007, and so they repeated it again in 2013, so we have some back numbers. Did we have color TV in 2007? Uh, I don't know. I wasn't I alive was in 07, actually. <laughs> were we, in, we were in college, I guess, at that point. We on, were in college for a long time. Yeah, yeah, we were. It's hard to remember <laughs> back then. All right, so, so the study is trying to get at what forms of media or advertising do people trust the most? And again, so we have 2007 stats to compare to 2013, which one's changed. Obviously, a lot of forms of advertising weren't even around in 07, speaking to your point. So let's just run through some of the ones that I think sort of stand out or that changed that were sort of interesting. To start it all off, the type of advertising online that people trust the most are what they're calling branded websites. And decoding the name of branded websites, I'm going to go ahead and assume that they mean, for example, coca-cola.com some large branded website facebook.com they trust things that are on these websites that they recognize from the corporations themselves so not what your uncle posted about some republican crazy thing on facebook but right or maybe it's it's talking about two new sources that are established cnn.com told me this so it has to be true right so beneath that actually are ads on tv at 62 percent trusting ads on tv I don't trust any ads I'll see on TV. I don't know about you, but I know that every late night infomercial Do you watch TV is or commercials on TV? Because I just fast forward me. through them all. <laughs> I don't really watch TV anymore. It's just on in the background. It's background noise. Beneath that one actually ads in newspapers. 61% trust those. This is the one that from 2007 to 2013, less people trust ads in newspapers today than they did back in 2007. 2% drop. Online video ads, so same sort of category as ads on TV, obviously video. Mm-hmm. So ads on TV was 62%. Online video ads, only 48%. Ouch. Big drop there. I think that may just be purely because people have this sort of built-in sense that if it's on TV, it's you had to spend more money, right. so it's got to it be more screened. legit. Right. right, screened by somebody. Yeah, um, they have those infomercials on TV that are obvious scams. <laughs> Which, how are we not rich off one of those yet? <laughs> we have note. these things called morals. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> not worth it. Only on Tuesdays. Tied with online video ads, ads served in search engine results. So obviously Google AdWords, Bing ads, who buys those? But Yeah, I think there's some inherent trust there as well. I mean, as right. much as people probably don't realize the vetted process, much like you were talking about with the trust people feel like watching a TV ad. Well, Google's displaying this. It must have went through someone. And I think there's maybe some inherent trust there. They have done some efforts to clean that up a bit. And I think that the trust over time has probably grown as they've gotten a little bit more strict and established themselves policy-wise a little bit better. I think that stat may actually be heavily skewed based on the fact that I I still think a lot of people are ignorant to the fact that there are actually ads in Google. Mm -hmm. Um, So the people who are aware of the ads have a more of, you know, I'm aware of that. That's an ad, Mm -hmm. so I don't trust it as much as I would a normal Google result. Backing up a little bit on the list, emails I signed up for, 56% trust them. So I signed up for it. I want it, but I don't trust it. Still don't trust you. You yeah, have me half convinced. <laughs> yeah. I'm testing you out. All right. Ads on social networks, 48%. Obviously, there's no metric to compare back in 2007. Because we just had color Because TV. there was MySpace and there was just banner ads all over it. Obviously, no one trusted those. Online banner ads, 42% trust those. 
up from 26% back in 07. It's, it's always hard to, to know what everyone's online experience is like. But at least in my experience, I can say that probably looking back when I was in college, the average banner ad was one of a lower quality than today. Not because necessarily the the technology has progressed, which it obviously has, but I feel like more companies have gotten into the game, yeah. legit companies. So I'm not seeing the classic lose 21 pounds of belly fat in seven days on every website that I go to, like I did back in the day, or it was just so rich with these affiliate scam offers along with some legitimate companies now because the online space cannot be ignored i feel like people have really stepped up their game uh and the marketplace has gotten a lot more competitive so it's probably raised the playing field right which has maybe bumped up the trust as a side effect i think that's probably twofold one because obviously like you said there are more legitimate companies actively involved in internet marketing I think the other one, though, is better targeting. So mm-hmm. better retargeting efforts, better targeting in general. Those lose 21 pounds of fat, those can apply to sort of everyone. And those, in general, perform better than most ads. But if I know that you work in marketing, I can send you more specific Or you went to my website. And I'm extract more of that money from you. <laughs> Last on the list, this is actually the least trusted form of advertisements, at least in their survey. Text ads on mobile phones. I don't even think I see those. I do every once in a while. Except but from Google. But you usually misclick those is what I've run into experience-wise. And shockingly enough, 18% of people trusted those in 07. Did those even exist in 07? <laughs> now I don't trust the entire survey because <laughs> I don't think that was a thing. But anyways, what we wanted to go over with those stats is keep in mind what people trust, what people don't. Obviously, your mileage may vary for your specific industry and what would reach your audience. But when you're looking for what should I spend my marketing dollars on, keep these stats in mind because it might play into how hard you have to convince someone to eventually convert. And we live in a day and age now where we have to reach out and touch people usually multiple times before that conversion happens. And when you are working with a limited budget, what are the ways that we can reach out to people where we're not having to fight not only for attention, but for people to even trust the medium that we're using to try to deliver this message. Right. I I think, you know, all of those sort of purchases that require a high level of trust, sort of like you were saying right there, is, you know, those high ticket items. There's no reason to focus on text ads on mobile phones. I mean, I realize that's the new up and coming thing, but there's more trust placed in other forms of advertising. Sure, sure, absolutely. The next topic we wanted to talk about was a study that was done by Google and a partner of theirs on Mobile usage and features on websites, in particular, they were dissecting what do people feel about business phone numbers as they come onto a website with their mobile device, and why people would call a business as opposed to using a website or other means, which I feel like is good actionable information for people when they're developing websites to know why someone might call in and how do we need to craft our websites to potentially overcome some of these sticky points or know when in the process we need to have our phone number very visible. Yeah, that people do call in. Sure. I think that's often sometimes something... What's well, surprising to me how many websites I go to still 
And you don't have your phone number clickable from right. a mobile device. Like it's an image in the header background or something like that. And you're having someone on a mobile device have to go to the dialer, try to remember the number. And it's, it's anyways, if that's you, you need to change your website <laughs> Well, to tomorrow. that point on our website, some of them, we remove the phone number. We don't want any more calls. Stop calling people. <laughs> so anyways, all right. So reasons for calling a business as opposed to using the website or other means. I should say that this is a survey, the sample is 3,000 U.S. smartphone users. So it's people with self-identified smartphones. So they are a little bit more potentially technology savvy. And it was conducted with Google and IPSOS in conjunction. These are some of the reasons for calling a business as opposed to using the website or other means. The top reason was to quickly get an answer and accomplish my goal. 59% to talk to a real person. 57%. I have more questions or need more information than a website can answer, 54%. You know, I would say on that point in particular, if you're getting a high volume of calls, sometimes it's worth talking to your customers a little bit and identifying why they're calling in. And if you continually get feedback similar to, I'm trying to get more information, it might be a clue for you to reassess your website experience and how you're presenting information. And number one, is it confusing? If so, then fix that. Number two, maybe you're not providing enough and people are calling in because, you know, they're just trying to fill in the gaps and making sure because that is actually a very serious issue. For every person that's calling in, you have to imagine that three, five, ten other people left because they're confused or didn't really know everything about the process. So luckily you have some people that are determined enough calling in and trying to clarify these things. But if you're getting a lot of high volume calls where people are just trying to clarify things, that might be an indicator of some more serious things under underlying. Right. I've actually got some direct experience with that. One of the websites in particular I run every year, we had a phone number on there on the contact us page and we had a ton of people calling about a specific issue, right? So we were agile enough with our IT to be able to fix those things, calls dropped off dramatically, and then other issues would pop up. And so having that ability to go in and fix some of those things obviously makes for happier customers and reduces your ability to have to have 20 people on staff to answer phones. I think a lot of businesses don't consider that. I mean, there's a cost for someone calling in, not only in the lost sales of the people that didn't call in for that specific issue, but you have to maintain that support service or that staff to handle those calls, which is a direct business cost. So it's funny to me how many businesses don't really equate that and they, they're not agile enough like you talked about. So they collect all this information But then they have this archaic way of updating their website or analyzing these business problems, and they're just leaking money. I mean, they're just hemorrhaging it from all different points. So anyways, continuing on, to accomplish something that can't be done through a business website, 44%. They're a little bit vague there, but, you know, I think we can all think of certain instances where that might be. To get more accurate information than it can be found from other sources, that one can be taken a little different ways. That's 43%, but maybe you want to clarify where you're getting your metrics from or your message, who might be backing up what you have to say, what are your trust indicators, things like that. It's convenient, 42% which also might be a cue that your website is confusing or hard to use. If you're getting a lot of people calling in saying that they were frustrated with using your site, maybe you want to audit your processes and how people are actually using it with a mobile device because they're calling in frustrated because it's just more convenient to talk to someone. Depending on what you're selling, if that's the case, then you probably need to make some major changes. For some some things that you do as a business, 
sometimes talking it through someone is going to be more convenient. There's really nothing that you can do in the online space to get on that even playing field. But if you do something pretty easy, whether that's like making a reservation in a restaurant or something like that, people are calling in because that's too hard to do on your website. You might want to look at that. Lastly, the product or service is expensive. Therefore, a conversation is required 12%. So it's interesting that expense I would say that that number was probably higher further back in the day where people were weary about buying things on their phone. So it's interesting to see that now as time has gone on, the trust of using the technology has gone up. The lowest issue point on that list was actually just expense. Whereas I think maybe if we it did that in 2007, like your survey, that number might be actually quite a right. bit higher because people are like, ooh, I don't want to buy on my phone because, you know, someone might be capturing that in the room next door, <laughs> or whatever it might be. I can't even do that on my phone. Because right. it's, yeah. yeah. So I wanted to read some of those stats, kind of understand why people might call in, but also I think these are some clues on potentially the questions that you want to ask people when they call in. Why are people calling in and understanding? And I think as marketers, sometimes we divorce ourselves from customer support and salespeople when sometimes they can lend us the best information on what impactful changes that we can have on a website. So keep those in mind. We'll tweet out the link to the survey. It's a pretty interesting one with some really good data, and they actually break it down in different industries. So you might want to see how you fit in and uh, what changes you might need to make. So last topic that Rob's going to bring us home with, and we'll reveal the name, drumroll, Yelp reviews and big <laughs> policy changes that they made. And ooh, is this good? I'm sure they're pissing people off. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I don't, I don't think we're actually going to spend too much time on this. But I know that I think specifically Yelp is someone we've mentioned in the past and maybe sort of it's been brought up in the internet circles that they may have. Uh, Extortionary practices. That's a very good way of putting it. Thank you. Um, similar to Better Business Bureau, a mm-hmm. lot of people think that you can sort of slide them cash and get rid of bad reviews. I think the recent policy changes may be trying to sort of change that change that view for mm-hmm. a lot of people, while also maybe could be viewed as getting more money from businesses. <laughs> who, who knows? So here's what's going on. So tinfoil hat back on. They're, <laughs> <laughs> so they're using a new algorithm in quotes and air quotes to try to determine companies that may have been using strategies to influence their reviews in a positive way. What do I mean by that? So paying people cash for positive reviews, paying people with discounts, gift certificates, or other incentives. Obviously, that's a no-go. But other dumb things like using the same IP address, so using the same computer and just leaving a bunch of different reviews on Yelp, that's easy for them to catch, right? So, so what are they doing, Rob? So, this is the, this so, is the good part. Right. So with this algorithm, if they discover, this actually kind of reminds me of like a Google spam discovery. Oh, yeah. So they've, they've discovered that you're trying to game the system. Mm-hmm. When visitors now come to your company's page on Yelp, they'll see this overlay modal window. This huge red box shows up in front of all of your reviews. It says consumer alert. And I'll just read some of the copy on here. We caught someone from this company offering up cash, discounts, gift certificates, or other incentives in exchange for reviews about the business, and we wanted you to know because buying reviews, obviously, blah, 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 is not only good, it's not good for customers, hurts honest businesses. You can check out the evidence here, which is apparently a link over to the sort of, I guess, case results of Mm -hmm. how Yelp came to this review or came to this conclusion, and then there's a button at the bottom to go ahead and show me the reviews anyway. 
Gotcha. So you could look at it two ways. One being, okay, Yelp is stepping up, trying to clear out some of the crap. The other being, I think the more cynical people may look at that and go, see, Yelp. I'm raising my Yelp, hand. <laughs> Yelp's trying to get more money out right. of these companies who you have know, been we, flagged. We can remove this spam warning if you'd subscribe to our premium services. Yeah, for Talk with a thousand our, a month. Our representatives. Right. I did want to cover that article because you do need to be weary of some of the tactics that you take online and the repercussions that can be had. Kind of like SEO, similar yeah. c- circumstances. Certain things that you can do online can really be a hindrance to your company's image uh, and potentially have some long-lasting results, especially if you rely on something like Yelp for trust or it's big in your area and it drives a lot of traffic. So keep aware of that. I think it's also something that a lot of internet marketers maybe don't even really consider. And that is that some of these things actually are illegal, according to the FTC. I mean, paying people for positive reviews and not making it very clear that these people have been compensated for those reviews is illegal and you can be fined for those things. I mean, I remember a few years back when that sort of became the huge hot topic issue was the FTC released these new guidelines specifically for websites and the internet. I think it was mostly centered around blogs. Yeah, doing I was about to say sponsored, sponsored posts. posts and mm-hmm. things like that. But I know for a fact right now that you can buy sponsored tweets and things like that that, that don't show a... I mean, I don't mean directly from Twitter. I mean, you someone who has a huge following right. buy a tweet from them. And they don't disclose that. And that kind of stuff is a very sketch area right now and a gray area that I wouldn't do with a brand that I was trying to actually grow as mm-hmm. an honest company. A minefield to navigate. And if you're willing to roll the dice, then that's kind of your choice. But there are some things that you can do online which don't appear to be that big of a deal, like offering a gift certificate to someone to do a review. Right. That doesn't really sound anything out of the ordinary, but it can have some really serious repercussions. So if you work in a space like that, just make sure that you're keeping up to date with guidelines and policies, because like we said, the implications there are quite severe and can be. This has been episode number 28. Rob and Corey of the Bearded Marketers. Give us a call at 904-270-9603. Like I said, Rob waits day and night by the phone waiting for your calls. <laughs> if you're struggling with something, boss is yelling at you, or you just don't know where to start, between Rob and I, we got over a decade's worth of experience in the industry, and we can probably help you out. And we'll also feature it on an upcoming episode. But until next time, everyone have a great week, and we'll see you in the next episode.